Madden Football from Electronic Arts has been outselling virtually every other video game every year since before our co-hosts were even born. Now in its 22nd year, it's become a time-honored tradition for men everywhere to rev up their collective engines, not only for the start of college and pro football seasons, but for the release of the year's Madden Football game as well. How have the designers of Electronic Arts managed to pump out such a continual classic every year that gets boys playing endless hours of games over and over again? Senior producer of the entire Madden franchise, Phil Fraser, joins us today to explain some of the behind-the-scenes ingredients that go into creating a popular console game. Welcome to the show, Phil. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit what season is Madden in. I think we're 22. I think this is the 22nd version of Madden 11 that comes out on August 10th. So you guys have learned a lot about what it takes to create a successful game over 22 years, I take it then. I I certainly hope so. (laughs) Uh, I'd I'd like to believe that the fact that Madden has become the success it is, is not pure accident. How does a designer approach getting someone to play a game? Every year you guys come out with a new version, but to not just play it, but keep playing it so that they don't just walk away after one or two games? It's going to vary based on the genre. So, you know, coming from the sports you know, area, we know that we've got a lot of fans that are very loyal to, you know, the Madden franchise, very loyal to EA Sports. You know, they've enjoyed our products for the last two decades. And I think some of those guys, they're driven by authenticity, you know, increasing the level of authenticity in our games, which could be from, you know, making the game look better graphically, you know, one of the things we all often get teased about publicly is, you know, the Madden's just a roster update. But, you know, there are there are folks out there that really value, you know, the new superstar that's on their favorite team. You know, right. you know, I'm a Redskins fan myself. And, you know, being able to see, you know, virtually, uh, you know, Donovan McNabb in a Redskins uniform, that's appealing to me. Now, that doesn't appeal to everybody. You know, there are, there are folks out there that are looking for more of an experience. So I think as a design team, we have to satisfy a number of different motivations. So we, we've got the NFL guys. I think the fact that we're a sports title, we kind of get that one for free. The harder ones are motivations that are, do I want an action game? Do I want a game that's highly competitive that I can play with my friends? Do I want a game that I can sit in my house, in my living room, and enjoy by myself? You know, there's a variety of styles of gamers out there. We've got a lot of research that we've done internally that proves to the types of features that each of these types of consumers prefer. So we need to provide an experience that hits to a wide variety of folks in a wide variety of ways, which is why we have franchise mode, uh, you know, offline, which is about a solitary experience you're playing by yourself. Of course, you know, you've seen the increase of online in the last five, six years. You know, that's more about social, playing with people, being able to talk smack, but it's also highly competitive. You know, there's really an assortment of gameplay variety in the Madden product that's meant to appeal to a, a wide audience. Along those same lines, is the psychology of kind of game design, is that to a, a person who produces and designs games, is that explicit in the mind or is it more that you're just looking to make, from your own standpoint, the coolest game and hoping somebody kind of hooks into that? It's a little bit of both. So I, I think, you know, if you look at our, our design team, you know, we've, we've got a team of um, you know, roughly eight designers that work on, or eight to ten, working across the Madden franchise. You know, some of these guys are, you know, what I would consider football guys. They're fans of the NFL. You know, if you look at our ratings are Donnie Moore, you know, he, he knows every player in the league. He rates all the players in the league, but he's a guy that lives and breathes NFL. So he designs features that are about authenticity. You know, in his mind, he's making the game for a football fan. 
But we also have what I would consider kind of quote unquote professional designers. And these are guys that have gone to school learning about game design. And you know, when I say game design in that way, I'm talking about they try to wrap their minds around players' motivations. How can we affect their mood? How can we bring a player in and, and really immerse them into a different experience than just kind of passing, tackling, running, etc.? So I think we've got a combo of both styles of people. We do want to ship an authentic NFL game, but we also want to ship a game that's a blast to play. So it's got to be fun. And for a lot of people, football's hard, complicated, and that in itself isn't fun. So we've got to ship a game that is both real but fun, which is a challenge. And we also have to have features that are appealing to a wide audience at the surface level, but also give a layer of depth that may not be obvious in concept, but that really challenges those that are just gamers. And, and, and you know they want a good challenge after they've learned kind of the mechanic and they've mastered the, the game itself. Along those same lines, are there like any kind of, I guess, um, for lack of a better word, like cognitive little kind of things that maybe a user or a player wouldn't necessarily realize are there, but are kind of designed to, uh, I guess, keep the person immersed and, and kind of, like you're saying, pull motivations when they are not even sort of really cognitively aware of it? I think we're getting into that space. I think I'd be lying if I said we, we use that sort of psychology to a great deal right now. But I think as we look at you know features for upcoming years, you know we're starting to talk a lot about social gaming and the fact that, quite frankly, it's more fun to play most games, not all games, but most games, when you're playing with a friend, when you're playing with somebody that you enjoy either hanging out with or talking to, the game can be the exact same game you'd play by yourself, but it's just inherently more fun when you've got somebody there with you. And when you've got somebody else that's playing, you're more likely to want to jump in there and play with them as well. So it seems like, you know, there's this chicken and the egg. You put a good social feature in there, it might bring in more audience because, you know, friends are more likely to buy the game because their friends have it. You know, hey, you should get mad. They've got this really cool social feature I want to talk, I want to play with you. And he's more likely to go get it. So I think as we shift to the social aspect, I think using tricks like that will become a little more common. Using tricks like communicating with your friends through the game as a means to build audience. Mm -hmm. uh, people don't even realize they may be more likely to pick up and buy Madden if their friend is just playing with it. And it's just kind of regularly piping out or spamming, I guess, in some people's minds, updates on what's happening in the game. Uh, other tricks are uh, that we have used. Uh, at a service level, I would say, is you know the, the concept of achievements. This is very popular on Xbox Live, of course. They've existed in video games even before Xbox Live. And there is a type of gamer out there that really enjoys, it's almost like a pack rat. They really enjoy trying to do everything. And a lot of games have this now. Uh, and sports games are really no different. But you see a screen in the game that says you're at 10% completion. For a lot of people, that's a motivating factor to want to continue to play. They want to, They want to feel like they've achieved they've quote-unquote beaten the game and to do that in a sports game there's no ending you know at least in, in most sports games there's no there's no defined ending so you know we establish tricks like you know accomplishing all the achievements or playing in every game mode etc so that you can build from 10 to 20 to 100 percent and for a lot of folks that's a way to get them to stay in the game and to completely play through the experience before they want to pop a different disc in their tray one of the big scares of console games past uh, you know that used to freak out parents and whatnot was the idea that uh, people who tended to play a lot were isolated because they, they tended to play alone a lot. And with the, the creation of online content and online spaces, that seemed, it seems to be moving back towards a social realm. So a two-part question here. One, do you consider kind of the online uh, movement towards online gaming and interaction there, do you consider that true social interaction 
one. And two, do you see that kind of gaming replacing more solitary gaming as it's existed before? I do think we're going to see a shift towards more social gaming. I don't see it replacing completely. You know, I, I mentioned uh, in one of the earlier questions, you know, we have a lot of research. You know, we break our audience on, on the Madden side into, into four buckets uh, you know, for motivations. There are guys that like the social experience, but there is a, a very large group of people that much prefer the solitary experience. We are, we, we've been calling them the lone wolf uh, on our team, for example. The lone wolf audience, the number, I, I wouldn't say it's dropping, uh, at least for us, but you know, it's been consistent. Th- these are guys that are looking for really an escape. You know, they get off work and to them, you know, not everybody's the same. So to right. them, they've talked with people all day. They've gotten their social interactivity. Now they just want to go into a fantasy world, which to them is Madden. And, you know, they want to play a couple games and, and just kind of veg out before going to bed or before, you know, eating their dinner, what have you. I don't think that audience is going to go away, but I do think we'll have, we'll see a transition from folks that have historically been social in the same location. So, you know, a guy and his buddy sitting on the same couch playing together. I think we'll see that number come down as we see, you know, the remote social activity go up. Uh, you know, the fact that I can now play with my, my best high school friend, you know, when we've obviously moved to different parts of the country, you know, we can still have that sitting on the couch experience together even though we live in completely different states. So I think, you know, as people grow up and historically graduate from the, you know, the couch stuff, from, from the college dorms and, you know, playing in, in your neighbor's house, I think that experience is replicated by the online experience now. And games like World of Warcraft, I mean, they're building in mechanics, you know, through raids, uh, you know, into the game experience that actually require a level of social interaction that's pretty unprecedented. Right. True story. I was actually at my dentist last week, and he was telling me uh, it's the first time I actually I had met him. He asked what I did, and I, I let him know I was in video games, and he he let me know that he plays World of Warcraft, which I had played. I no longer play. I played quite a bit, of course. I think most of us have. And you know, he he was talking about you know how he just loves the community that he's in, and of course he's talking about a virtual community, but. You know, people of like mind and like interest, you know, he, he's in a pretty big guild. They're online at least every other night. I mean, it's for he's married. He's got kids. But I mean, for him, it's 100 percent social. You know, for him, the game is not about an isolate. He would not play the game if it was not for the guild. Right. So I, I definitely think that that movement is growing. Um, I think first person shooters are stepping into that now. It seems almost like a prerequisite for a lot of big shooters that they have a co-op mode. You know, Gears of War started that with, you know two-player co-op, and they went to three-player. Now they're talking about four-player co-op. So it's becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. Madden, of course, you know, we had head-to-head online. Now we've got three versus three online team play online this year with Madden 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to become a much bigger thing in games. Let's take a break. We'll be right back with more of our interview with senior producer of Madden Football, Phil Frazier. This is Shira with your Tech Corner Tech Tip of the Week. There are 10,080 minutes in a week, and I just spent 10 of them on the Virginia Tech website checking out their great time management program. Unfortunately, this program won't help you build a time machine from the junk at the bottom of your backpack, but what it will do is help you to get to know yourself so you can make good decisions about how to use your time. It includes helpful strategies, quizzes, and other tools that can help you find the time to achieve your academic goals and still sleep at night. If you'd like to learn ways to use your time more effectively, this free program is for you. To check it out, open your browser and type in http colon slash slash www.ucc.vt.edu slash lynch slash 
timemanagement.htm. Don't worry if you didn't get that, we'll also post it on our blog. This has been Shira with your Tech Corner Tip of the Week. See you next week! On behalf of the Child and Adolescent Bipolar Foundation, I'm Brian Kerwin from One Life to Live. If you're listening to this, I'm guessing you've been feeling down, and I'm sorry about that. I certainly know what it feels like to be depressed and out of sorts. And when you're feeling like this, when you're in the pits, it can feel like you'll never get out of it. But I assure you, you will, if you care about yourself, even now when it's hardest to want to. So if you've been diagnosed with a mood disorder, dealing with it is the only way to get better. And the best way to do that is to accept that you have these mood states and embrace them as a part of you, as much as you accept your arms and your legs, okay? That's the first step in taking responsibility for it. And what does taking responsibility for your moods mean? It means simple things, just like going to bed and getting up at a decent hour. It means taking your medication, just as they were prescribed by your doctor. It means staying away from drugs and alcohol. Come on, those are never going to be any good for you. And it means doing all that you can to take control of your disorder. You're either dealing with your mood disorder or you're not. So make the right choice. I know you can, and I hope you will. To learn more, visit CABF online at btkids.org. We now return to our conversation with senior producer of Madden Football, Phil Frazier. In this half, we'll ask Phil about the evolving social nature of gaming online and his thoughts on video game addiction specifically. Madden is certainly one game where um, every year everybody waits for new improvements, uh, both graphically uh, you know, to different modes in the game. Do you find that, like, it, it always seems that, I remember I remember back when Mike Tyson's Punch-Out! came out, and that was, like, there was nothing better. Nothing, the, the graphics were done. They could never get better. And yeah. then now, 10 years, how many ever years later, it's, like, ridiculous to some extent. Is Do you think it's the technological improvement that helps uh, increase game players, or is it something else? You know, I think... I think the graphics and the technology gets people in the door, uh, but I don't think that's what keeps them there, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, as, as a new console comes out, you know, uh, people react very strongly, hopefully, to the graphics jump that you see from generation to generation. I, I remember very clearly when we went from the PlayStation 1 generation in the early 2000s. I think it was 2001 when the PlayStation 2 came out, or 2000. The graphics jump from the PS1 to the PS2 was absolutely amazing uh, in virtually every genre of games. Um, and I think people would see Madden playing on a TV and say, wow, I have to have that game. But once they get the game at home, the graphics, you know, they become jaded. The graphics are cool and they, right. and they love to show it off to their friends and family. But it's really about the gameplay and the experience that keeps people in the video game space, you know, if, if we just had a bunch of games that looked phenomenal, but were ultimately a bore, uh, not not fun to play, and didn't keep people hooked for you know up to forty to hundred hours, people would just get tired of looking at pretty pictures and and move on to another form of, of media that is you know ultimately more fulfilling for them. I think in the case of games, you know, as much as games have have taken huge graphical leaps from generation to generation, I think it's really a change in the experience that is that has grown the audience. Uh, and kept the audience growing year after year. And if you look at a game like Mike Tyson's Punch-Out! like you gave, that game was a blast um, in the 80s. But if you play it now, it's thin. It's very, very thin. You know, it's it's very easy to remember the 
you know, the, the, the moves of each of the, of the respective boxers. Right. And once you play through it once, you're kind of done with it. It's like, okay, that's a two-hour game. That's that's fine, but people expect more now. They don't expect 40-hour games, but they expect more. They expect more story, more immersion. Right. And um, so I think it's kind of a combination of, of graphics. Graphics can break the immersion if you do it poorly. But you need to have great graphics in parallel with a really compelling experience to ultimately keep people hooked in. I think graphics, though, you can get a lot. You can sell a lot of games if you have a really pretty screenshot or a really cool trailer. Uh, but you, you you won't get from the one to two million unit seller to the six to ten million unit seller without a, a you know a really great experience. Uh, it's a it's a common joke, and I think you guys even used it as an advertisement a few years ago. Where every year there's a group of guys who always says, uh, "Well, my girlfriend's about to get mad because the new Madden's coming out." And it's because when the new Madden comes out, if you're a guy, you have to play it, and you don't just play it once or twice; you play it for hours and hours, and and all that. And um, but it's never considered a problem. Uh, but there are those gamers who kind of go too far with it and go into what we call addiction. Now, over since Madden's been around so long, um, as a as a producer, what are your thoughts on video game addiction in that sense? Well, you know, it's. It, it's a that's a very interesting question um, because you know I'll admit that um, you know Warcraft seems to have a lot of folks that some would consider addicted um, you know more so than a game like Madden and myself I, I would you know my wife would always joke that she thought I was addicted to Warcraft or I'm addicted to a Facebook game that I play you know six times a day for five minutes and you know I definitely recognize that that can happen because, you know, I, I played Warcraft a lot um, as, as most of the folks that play that game pretty seriously do. I mean, playing in an eight hour stretch is not unheard of um, when it comes to, you know, an MMO or even for Madden, you know, shortly after launch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think as with anything, you have to be careful. Uh, you know, ultimately we as designers, you know, we focus 100% of our job on, on making an experience that will keep people hooked on that and that will keep people, but not in a bad way, but will keep people interested in playing our game, hopefully not interested in, in replacing the disc in the tray with another product out there. We want to keep people playing Madden as long as possible. But in general, you know, uh, we, we don't want to see people, you know, either lose their family or, you know, or, you know, have personal issues because they play the game too much. You know, I'd rather... I'd rather see people have a good, active, balanced, and healthy lifestyle, which inc- which could include video games, and it's a good release for a lot of folks. But it should also include exercise, which is a great thing about a lot of the products that are from our label. You know, EA Sports Active is is that experience. You can get that video game experience, but you can also get off your couch and get a good workout. Uh, you know, the Wii's great for that. You know, so a lot of folks that have played the Wii and they played a lot. It's it's a different experience. You know, playing a game in the Wii requires you to to move a little more so than you do as you're playing a you know, 360 game because you got to move your arms. you got to, in some cases, you got to get off the couch. So I think you know, as we look at you know, down the road, you look at feature um, or you know, initiatives from Microsoft with you know their Kinect uh, device or with the PlayStation Move, mm-hmm. I think those experiences, um, you know, we're very much interested in what's going to happen there. You know, I'm interested in seeing kind of what kind of experiences come out of that, but clearly there's a market for that sort of experience. And I just hope that, you know, people that enjoy our game and enjoy other video games do so responsibly. You know, if they've got kids, then their kids should be their priority. But there's usually a place in, in everybody's life for mm-hmm. some hobby or some event. And I think video games are not a dangerous thing overall. One final question. Uh, uh, la- uh, 
I think last in the last few years, you guys have uh, certainly developed your online modes a lot, uh, going so far as to have not just uh, online play, but web pages that can be developed. You have an iPhone app now. Um, it, it, do you see like gaming overall just moving towards total immersion in in um, kind of interactivity of technology? Where if I'm on Facebook, I can somehow switch quickly into Madden or even play while I'm on Facebook while, uh, you know, I'm turning and I'm on, I'm on a bus now and I'm on my iPhone or whatever, where, um, literally you can always have it with you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, you know, I've referenced a couple of times, uh, in some of my answers, you know, we want to, you know, our, our job on Madden is to get people to play Madden and mm-hmm. we'll play Madden. And it, the second they, you know, they, they take Madden out of their tray and they pop in the next hit, you know, if it's Call of Duty or FIFA or whatever, even if it's one of the other EA Sports products, mm-hmm. you know, we're potentially losing a customer. So, you know, in our minds, we want to get people hooked on Madden and we want them to always think about Madden. Like we want them to, you know, be able to log online, look at their franchise mode from a web page. We'd very much love it down the road if somebody could, you know, literally be playing their console at home, you know, and they're in the second quarter. Uh, but it's dinner time, so they 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 turn the console off. But in doing so, the data has been passed to a server that EA has somewhere in the country, and then maybe they have a little bit of time later to you know check their Facebook page. Uh, but oh yeah, there's a Madden application on a Facebook page where they can actually go in and start that very same game. You know, they're, they're in the second quarter. Maybe they just pick plays instead of actually fully executing or, or something along those lines. But they can actually continue that experience. So that, you know, as people's lives change and as their free time becomes little pockets of free time versus, you know, a, you know, a two to three hour stretch of, of available time, they can still get in the hobbies they enjoy. And I think that's going to be very key to video games. You know, those, the days of, you know, being able to sit down for 10 hours and enjoy Warcraft for me are over. I, I just don't have that kind of time. I've got two kids and, you know, uh, a family that I'm trying to raise. So I need an experience that allows me to break it up into smaller chunks. And if those smaller chunks were available in a variety of ways, that would be phenomenal. I think that's the direction you'll, you're going to see EA Sports go. I think you're already seeing that to some degree with, with Tiger Online. You're seeing it to some degree with uh, you know FIFA Ultimate Team. You, know, you can go to a web page and manage your team there in addition to playing with them on the console. Of course, Madden with online franchise. NCAA's got uh, Dynasty Wire this year and, and a lot of their online Dynasty features. This is going to become a much, much bigger thing. I think it, you're going to see it push throughout other games as well, way beyond sports. I think sports are leading the charge, but I think you're going to see this in other genres as well. So wh- when is Madden coming out? Uh, Madden comes out this year, uh, August 10th, which is uh, Tuesday. So make sure you get in line at midnight the night before to pick up your copy. Phil Frazier, thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me, sir. Madden Football 2011 comes out August 12th. You can find it in stores everywhere and on TVs that your boyfriend and his friends are sitting in front of. You've been listening to Flip Switch, the Bipolar and Depression Connection, brought to you by the Child Netless and Bipolar Foundation.